Welcome to Chilling with Teddy G, an authentic black channel empowering the black community and capturing the modern day black reality through investigative journalism. I'm your host, Teddy G. Hello to all of my melanated kings and queens, my brothers and sisters in Africa and South Africa and to my listening audience around the globe. Welcome to Chilling with Teddy G, part three of this uh, former uh, Mark Mellow's, Mellow's aide testifying in the House on the uh, January 6th uh, riot for the uh, committee hearing. Uh, as you know, if you listen to the last two episodes, exactly where we left off at, and that's where we're going to start at. And we're going to get uh, right into that once you guys understand that on CWTG, you know, we discuss anything and everything with absolutely no sugar, no frosting, and definitely no mayonnaise. So we're going to get right into this as soon as we do a little housekeeping because the dirty laundry at Chilling with Teddy G must be cleaned with the Copyright Disclaimer Act of 1976 under Title 17, Section 107. Allowances is made for the fair use for the purpose such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. Non-profit educational or personal use tips the balance in the favor of fair use. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to over-talk it. We're going to get right into where we left off at from uh, uh, part two. And uh, here we go. That clip ended, Ms. Hutchinson, with you recalling that you heard the president, Mr. Meadows, and the White House counsel discussing the hang Mike Pence chance. And then you described for us what happened next. It wasn't until Mark hung up the phone, handed it back to me. I went back to my desk. A couple minutes later, him and Pat came back, possibly Eric Kirshen too. I'm pretty sure Eric Kirshen was there. But I'm, I'm confident it was Pat that was there. Um, I remember Pat saying something to the effect of, Mark, we need to do something more. They're literally calling for the vice president to be effing hung. And Mark had responded something to the effect of, you heard him, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. To which Pat said something, this is effing crazy. We need to be doing something more. Briefly stepped into Mark's office, and when Mark had said something, when Mark had said something to the effect of he doesn't think they're doing anything wrong, knowing what I had heard briefly in the dining room, coupled with Pat discussing the hang Mike Pence chance in the lobby of our office, and then Mark's response, I understood there to be the rioters in the Capitol that were chanting for the vice president to be hung. Let me pause here on this point. As rioters chanted, hang Mike Pence, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, said that, quote, Mike deserves it, and that those rioters were not doing anything wrong. This is, this is your former president, Agent Orange, ladies and gentlemen, who is saying that he is in agreement with the hanging of, of 
former Vice President Mike Pence, and that the rioters, the January Sixers, are doing nothing wrong. I had to step in and let y'all understand and hear the significance of that testimony. President or former President Agent Orange is saying that the rioters are doing nothing wrong, at least when it comes to them chanting, hang Mike Pence. This is a sentiment that he has expressed at other times as well. In an interview with ABC News correspondent Jonathan Carl, President Trump was asked about the supporters chanting hang Mike Pence last year. Instead of condemning them, the former president defended them. Because it's, it's common sense, it's common sense that you're supposed to protect. How can you, if you know a vote is fraudulent, right? How can you pass on a fraudulent vote to Congress? President Trump's view that the rioters were not doing anything wrong and that, quote, Mike deserved it helps us to understand why the president did not ask the rioters to leave the Capitol for multiple hours. In fact, he put this tweet out at 2.24 p.m. And the, uh, Donald Trump put this out there. Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution, giving states a chance to uh, certify a correct set of facts, not the fraudulent or incorrect ones which they were asked to previously certify. The USA demands the truth. That's from your former uh, president, Agent Orange. Ms. Hutchinson, do you recall seeing this tweet in which the president said the vice president did not have the courage to do what needed to be done? I do. Ms. Hutchinson, what was your reaction when you saw this tweet? As a staffer that works to always represent the administration to the best of my ability and to showcase the good things that he had done for the country, I remember feeling frustrated, disappointed, and really, it, it felt personal. I, it was really sad. As an American, I was disgusted. It was unpatriotic. It was un-American. We were watching the Capitol building get defaced over a lie. And it was something that was really hard in that moment to digest knowing what I'd been hearing down the hall and the conversations that were happening, seeing that tweet come up and knowing what was happening on the Hill. And it's something that I, it's still, I still struggled to work through the emotions of that. Now I would need y'all to understand this as well. That testimony that she just gave was uh, directly uh, about at the time the riot was taking place. Also, uh, Agent Owens' tweet that you just heard me read was happening 
was was sent out at the time that the riot was going on, ladies and gentlemen. That was about 2.26 p.m., something like that, if I, I saw that correctly. That's what the uh, former uh, uh, president was tweeting while the riot was happening, okay? But like I tell y'all, melanated individuals, we are not surprised. All of this... Uh, 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 testimony that we have heard, we are not surprised. I mean, because he made it clear, as I'll state again for the third or fourth time, that uh, we understood where he is and where he stands because he made that clear. He made that clear who he was, what he was about, what he liked, and definitely on what he disliked. So to hear this testimony right now is great for the uh, American public, but there's a large part of the American public which is uh, definitely um, uh, Native Black Americans and melanated individuals who are not surprised at what we're hearing. Ms. Hutchinson, we have also spoken to multiple other White House staff about their reaction to Donald Trump's 224 tweet condemning Mike Pence for not having the courage to refuse to count electoral votes, an act that would have been illegal. Matthew Pottinger, a former Marine intelligence officer who served in the White House for four years, including, including as Deputy National Security Advisor, was in the vicinity of the Oval Office at various points throughout the day. When he saw that tweet, he immediately decided to resign his position. Let's watch him describe his reaction to the president's tweet. Uh, one of my staff brought me a printout uh, of a uh, tweet uh, by the president. And the tweet uh, said something to the effect that uh, Mike Pence, the vice president, didn't have the courage um, to, uh, to, to do what he what should have been done. Um, I, uh, I read that tweet. Uh, and uh, made a decision at that moment to resign. Uh, that's where I knew that I was leaving that day uh, once I read that tweet. Ultimately, members of the White House staff, Sarah Matthews, cabinet members, Secretary Chow and Secretary DeVos resigned as well. Here is Secretary DeVos's resignation letter. As you can see, in resigning on January 6th, Secretary DeVos said to the president, quote, there's no mistaking the impact your rhetoric had on the situation, and it is the inflection point for me. Let's also look at Secretary Chow's resignation statement. When Secretary Chow resigned, she spoke of the January 6th attack, and she said, quote, as I am sure is the case with many of you, this has deeply troubled me in a way I simply cannot set aside. Ms. Hutchinson, in our prior interviews, we've asked you about what the president's advisors were urging him to do during the attack. You've described roughly three different camps of thought inside the White House that day. Can you tell us about those? Okay, before she gives you that, ladies and gentlemen, let me say something about those people who resigned, which was, in my personal opinion, I'm not going down with you, right? 
And I know y'all might be saying, well, why, Teddy G? Why do you say that? I'll tell you why. Because they were a part of his administration, right? They worked for him knowing who and what he was. And they had no issues with everything that was going on uh, prior to this up until those statements that Agent Orange made. They're like, no, you know what? I'm going to have to get up out of here because I am not going down with the ship. So I, uh, I, I submit my resignation effectively. Now, that's what I think. Because I I, I'm definitely not on 100% page that they were uh, against what uh, what was uh, how the president felt but because they are saving their own necks, necks because they, they worked for them so to me that means that y'all were a part of uh, his beliefs because if you wasn't then you couldn't uh, work for the man I'm not going to work for somebody who I totally disagree with um, their feelings, their philosophies, their thoughts on um, people the way that he did. So saving their own necks was just a, a self-preservation move, in my personal opinion. But let's get back to uh, um, uh, Miss Hutchison and hear this uh, statement. There was a group of individuals that were strongly urging him to take immediate and swift action. I would classify White House Counsel's Office, Mr. Hirschman, Ms. Ivanka Trump, in that category of really working to get him to take action and pleading with him to take action. There was a more neutral group where advisors were trying to toe the line knowing that Mr. Trump didn't necessarily want to take immediate action and condemn the riots, um, but knowing something needed to be done. Um, and then there was the last group, which was deflect and blame. Let's blame Antifa. These aren't our people. It's my understanding that Mr. Meadows was in the deflect and blame category, but he did end up taking a more neutral route, knowing that there were several advisors in the president's circle urging him to take more action, um, which I think was reflected in the rhetoric released later that day in the videos. You told us that the White House Counsel's Office was in the camp encouraging the president to tell the rioters to stop the attack and to leave the Capitol. Let's listen. White House Counsel's Office wanted there to be a strong statement out to condemn the rioters. I'm confident in that. Now let's look at just one example of what some senior advisors to the president were urging. Ms. Hutchinson, could you look at the exhibit that we're showing on the screen now? The handwriting is kind of gibberish, but I'm going to try to read it for you. I think it says, anyone who enters the Capitol without proper authority should leave immediately. That it looks like what it says to me. That's a note that I wrote at the direction of the chief of staff on January 6th, likely around three o'clock. And it's written on a chief of staff note card, but that's your handwriting, Ms. Hutchinson? That's my handwriting. 
And why did you write this note? The chief of staff was in a meeting with Eric Hirschman, potentially Mr. Philbin, and they had rushed out of the office fairly quickly. Mark had handed me the note card with one of his pens and started dictating a statement for the president to potentially put out. And, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Uh, there are two phrases on there, one illegal and then one without proper authority. The illegal phrase was the one that Mr. Meadows had dictated to me. Mr. Hirschman had chimed in and said, also put without legal authority. There should have been a slash between the two phrases. It was a, an or if the president had opted to put one of those statements out. Evidently, he didn't. Later that afternoon, Mark came back from the Oval Dining Room and put the palm card on my desk with illegally crossed out, but said we didn't need to take further action on that statement. So um, to your knowledge, this statement was never issued? It was, to my knowledge, it was never issued. And Ms. Hutchinson, did you understand that Ivanka Trump wanted her father to send people home? That's my understanding, yes. Let's play a clip of you addressing that issue. I remember her saying at various points, you know, she wants him, she wanted her dad to send them home. She wanted her dad to tell them to go home peacefully. And she wanted to include language that he necessarily wasn't on board with at the time. You will hear more about this at our later hearings, but we have evidence of many others imploring Donald Trump and Mark Meadows to take action. Here is some of that evidence, text messages sent to Mark Meadows during the attack. This is a text message at 2.32 from Laura Ingram. Hey Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. In the next message, this is hurting all of us. And then he's destroying his legacy and playing into every stereotype we lose all credibility against the BLM Antifa crowd if things go south. The president's son, Don Jr., also urgently contacted Mark Meadows. At 2.53, he wrote, he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. As you will see, these are just two of the numerous examples of Trump supporters and allies urging the president to tell his supporters to leave the Capitol. It would not have been hard for the president to simply walk down to the briefing room a few feet down the hall from the Oval Office. As Nora O'Donnell noted during an interview with House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, where Leader McCarthy said he believed the attack was un-American. I want to quickly bring in Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader. Uh, Let me say this. That was completely American, in my opinion. Because that's how we've been treated for over 500 years. Yeah, that's right. You heard me say it. I'm not taking it back either. That was completely what uh, Americans, or at least Mazungu's American. Let me make that correctly. Say that correctly. American Mazungu's. That's what they do. That's what they have done throughout uh, my history, throughout my parents' history, okay? This is the type of activity that takes place when they don't get what they want, and they want it. Agent Orange 
to uh, continue his presidency. They did not want him to lose that election, and they're going to uh, do anything by all means necessary to make sure that that happened. Even though it didn't, we can't say that they didn't try. They gave it a, 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 uh, a hell of a try, although it didn't work. But is it that but that's un-American, and that may be uh, against the uh, American policy. But in my opinion, no, that was not un-American because that's how they act. You can ask any melanated individual out here that that's how they act. Law enforcement race soldiers prove that every day. Yeah, every single day, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Leader McCarthy, do you condemn this violence? I completely condemn the violence in the Capitol. What we're currently watching unfold is un-American. I am I'm disappointed, I'm sad. This is not what our country should look like. This is not who we are. This is not the First Amendment. This has to stop and this has to stop now. Leader McCarthy, the President of the United States has a briefing room, steps from the Oval Office. It is, the cameras are hot 24-7, as you know. Why hasn't he walked down and said that now? Uh, I, I conveyed to the president what I think is best to do, and I'm hopeful the president will do it. Republican House member Mike Gallagher also implored the president to call off the attack. Mr. President, you have got to stop this. You are the only person who can call this off. Call it off. The election is over. Call it off. This is bigger than you. It's bigger than any member of Congress. It's about the United States of America, which is more important than any politician. Call it off. It's over. And there is a tweet up here, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, Gallagher's press office that says, we are witnessing absolute banana republic crap in the U United States Capitol right now. Despite the fact that many people close to Donald Trump were urging him to send people home, he did not do so until later, much later. At 4.17 p.m., Donald Trump finally told the rioters to go home and that he loved them. Here's a portion of the video President Trump recorded from the White House. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. We love you. I understand how you feel. These is Agent Orange's words. Come on. You got to be kidding me. Nope. I don't think so. But as we will show in even greater detail in future hearings, Donald Trump was reluctant to put this message out. And he still could not bring himself to condemn the attack. Exactly. Ms. Hutchinson has told us that too. Well, I when did he put out at 417? Um, 
I'm sure we've discussed it, and just to elaborate if I hadn't already at that point, I recall him being reluctant to film the video on the 6th. I was not involved in any of the logistics or the planning for that video. I just remember seeing the video go out and feeling a little shocked after it went out. I'm not shocked because it that was hours and hours after the uh, uh, rioters had uh, entered the Capitol and was doing everything that they was doing. Uh, people getting murdered, feces getting uh, 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 put all over the walls and the floors and, and uh, uh, breaking into offices and all type of things that was going on. So I'm not shocked that it t he didn't want to do it and it took hours into this uh, insurrection before he finally said, okay, I'm gonna say something because I want y'all to get up off of my back. That's what I think anyway. And me, Teddy G, as an American citizen, I believe that my voice and my words count. On the evening of January 6th and the day after, the president's family and his senior staff and others tried to encourage the president to condemn the violence and commit to the peaceful transition of power. At 3.31 p.m. on January 6th, Sean Hannity of Fox News texted Mark Meadows. Mr. Hannity said, quote, can he make a statement? I saw the tweet, ask people to leave the Capitol. Later that evening, Mr. Hannity sent another text message to Mark Meadows. This time, he shared a link to a tweet. That tweet reported that President Trump's cabinet secretaries were considering invoking the 25th Amendment to remove President Trump from office. As you can see on the screen, the 25th Amendment to the Constitution creates a process for the transition of power if a president is unfit or unable to serve. 25th Amendment has never been used to remove a president. But the committee has learned that after the attack on the U.S. Capitol, this was being discussed by members of President Trump's cabinet as a way of stripping the full power of the presidency from Donald Trump. President Trump's supporters were worried. In addition to the tweet that he sent Mark Meadows after the attack, Sean Hannity apparently spoke with President Trump and warned him about what could happen. We understand that this text message that Sean Hannity sent to Kaylee McEnany on January 7th shows what Mr. Hannity said to the president. First, no more stolen election talk. Second, impeachment and 25th Amendment are real. Many people will quit. Ms. Hutchinson, you told us that you were hearing about discussions related to the 25th Amendment. Here's. And let me go on with uh, the rest of that. Number three, he was intrigued by the uh, uh, pardon uh, ideal, Hunter. Uh, um, resistance, but listen to Pence's thoughts to make it right. That was four. Five, seemed to like attending the inauguration talks. Part of what you said. Mr. Pompeo reached out to have the conversation with Mr. Meadows in case he hadn't heard the discussions amongst the cabinet secretaries. 
And from what I understand, it was more of a, this is what I'm hearing. I want you to be aware of it. But I also think it's worth putting on your radar because you are the chief of staff. You're technically the boss of both the cabinet secretaries. And you know, if it, conversations progress, you should be ready to take action on this. Like, I'm concerned for you and your positioning with this. Yeah. Reach out to me if you have any questions or like I can be helpful with you at all. Inside the White House, the president's advisors, including members of his family, wanted him to deliver a speech to the country. Deputy White House Counsel Pat Philbin prepared the first draft of what would be the president's remarks on national healing, delivered by a pre-taped video on January 7th. When he arrived at the White House on the 7th, Mr. Philbin believed that more needed to be said. So he sat down and started writing. He shared the draft with Pat Cipollone, who also believed the president needed to say more. Mr. Cipollone agreed with the content as did Eric Hirschman, who reviewed the draft. The committee has learned that the president did not agree with the substance as drafted and resisted giving a speech at all. Ms. Hutchinson, do you recall discussions about the president's speech on January 7th? I do. Let's listen, Ms. Hutchinson, to what you told us about that and about the process of crafting those remarks. Uh, I learned from a conversation with Mark and over here between him and White House counsel and um, Eric Hirschman as well, that Trump didn't necessarily think he needed to do anything more on the 7th than what he had already done on the 6th. When he was convinced to put out a video on the 7th, he I understand that he had a lot of opinions about what the context of that announcement were to entail. Um, I had original drafts of the speech where you know, there were several lines that didn't make it in there about prosecuting the rioters or calling them violent. He didn't want that in there. He wanted to put in there that he wanted to potentially pardon them. Um, and this is just with the increased emphasis of his mindset at the time, which was he didn't think that they did anything wrong. He, the people who did something wrong that day, or the person who did something wrong that day was Mike Pence by not standing with him. But the president's advisors urged him to give the speech. Who convinced them to do the video on set? I'm not sure who convinced him or if it was a group of people that convinced him. Who was in the group that you're aware of? That I'm aware of. Mark, Ivanka, Jared Kushner, um, Eric Hirschman, Passabloni, Pat Philbin. Those are people that I'm aware of. Do you know why that group of people thought it was necessary for him to release a statement? I believe Kelly McEnany as well. Um, from what I understood at the time, and from what the reports were coming in, there's a large concern of the 25th Amendment potentially being invoked, and there were concerns about what would happen in the Senate if it was, if the 25th was invoked. So the primary reason that I had heard, other than, you know, we did not do enough on the 6th, we need to get a stronger message out there and condemn this, this otherwise this will be your legacy. The secondary reason to that was, 
think about what might happen in the final 15 days of your presidency if we don't do this. There's already talks about invoking the 25th Amendment. You need this as cover. The president ultimately delivered the remarks. Unlike many of his other speeches, he did not ad-lib much. He recited them without significant alteration, except one. Even then, on January 7th, 2021, the day after the attack on the U.S. Capitol, the president still could not bring himself to say, quote, but this election is now over. One other point about the speech, Ms. Hutchinson. Did you hear that Mr. Trump at one point wanted to add language about pardoning those who took part in the January 6th riot? I did hear that, and I understand that Mr. Me that Mr. Meadows was encouraging that language as well. Thank you, and here's what you told us previously about that. You said he was instructed not to include it. Who was instructing him not to include language about the pardon in that January 7th? I understood from White House Counsel's office coming into our office that morning that they didn't think that it was a good idea to include that in the speech. That being Pat Cipollone? That's correct. And Eric Hirschman. Ms. Hutchinson, did Rudy Giuliani ever suggest that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? He did. And Ms. Hutchinson, did White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows ever indicate that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? Mr. Meadows did seek that pardon, yes ma'am. Thank you, Ms. Hutchinson. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. I begin by thanking Ms. Hutchinson for her testimony today. We are all in her debt. Our nation is preserved by those who abide by their oaths to our Constitution. Our nation is preserved by those who know the fundamental difference between right and wrong. And I want all Americans to know that what Ms. Hutchinson has done today is not easy. The easy course is to hide from the spotlight, to refuse to come forward, to attempt to downplay or deny what happened. That brings me to a different topic. While our committee has seen many witnesses, including many Republicans, testify fully and forthrightly, this has not been true of every witness. And we have received evidence of one particular practice that raises significant concern. Our committee commonly asks witnesses connected to Mr. Trump's administration or campaign whether they've been contacted by any of their former colleagues or anyone else who attempted to influence or impact their testimony. Without identifying any of the individuals involved, let me show you a couple of samples of answers we received to this question. First, here's how one witness described phone calls from people interested in that witness's testimony. Quote, what they said to me is as long as I continue to be a team player, they know I'm on the right team. I'm doing the right thing. I'm protecting who I need to protect. You know I'll continue to stay in good graces in Trump world. And they have reminded me a couple of times that Trump does read transcripts. And just keep that in mind as I proceed through my interviews with the committee. Here's another sample in a different context. This is a call received by one of our witnesses. Quote, a person let me know you have your deposition tomorrow. 
He wants me to let you know he's thinking about you. He knows you're loyal and you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition. I think most Americans know that attempting to influence witnesses to testify untruthfully presents very serious concerns. We will be discussing these issues as a committee, carefully considering our next steps. Mr. Chairman, thank you. I yield back. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The testimony of the uh, former Mark Mello's uh, aide as uh, she testified. So y'all can um, believe what you want to believe about her testimony, but I find it credible simply because I am aware of the character of uh, Agent Orange and how he feels about uh, um, this or that election. Now, with all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to this uh, episode of Chilling with Teddy G. As you know, I'm Teddy G, your host, and um, I bring you all these stories because I love you. Loving you guys is my food, and Teddy G is hungry each and every single day. Okay, and until I have the opportunity to address you guys again, I bid each and every one of you peace, love, and soul. And I'm going to end this episode not as I normally do, but with the uh, final words from uh, Mr. Thompson, the chairman of this committee. Gentlewoman yields back. Ms. Hutchinson, thank you. Thank you for doing your patriotic duty and helping the American people get a complete understanding of January 6th and its causes. Thank you for your courage in testifying here today. You have the gratitude of this committee and your country. I know it wasn't easy to sit here today and answer these questions. But after hearing your testimony in all its candor and detail, I want to speak directly to the handful of witnesses who have been outliers in our investigation. The small number who have defied us outright. Those whose memories have failed them again and again on the most important details. And to those who fear Donald Trump and his enablers because of this courageous woman and others like her, your attempt to hide the truth from the American people will fail. And to that group of witnesses, if you've heard this testimony today and suddenly you remember things you couldn't previously recall, or there are some details you'd like to clarify, or you discovered some courage you had hidden away somewhere, our doors remain open. The select committee will reconvene in the weeks ahead as we continue to lay out our findings to the American people. The chair requests those in the hearing room to remain seated until the Capitol Police have excluded the witness and members from the room. Without objection, the committee stands adjourned.